0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast.
1: It's been a bit, it's been a bit, but I am pleased to say to one and all happy brandon day happy brandon day how are you man happy new year Happy New Year to you. What a
0: pleasure <laughs> it is to speak to you on this fine Wednesday morning. Oh,
1: we're back, baby. Then we're back. <laughs> the, the reunited. How was, uh, I know you and I, we spoke on our uh, our premium show, but we haven't done a fantasy NBA today in, in a couple of weeks. You've been traveling around. You're finally mostly stationary now.
0: Yeah, it's lovely. Uh, I forgot what my apartment looked like. It's really nice. Um, my own bed, which is really nice, despite the fact that hotel bedroom's or nice, no doubt about that. But it's good to be home. Tired of uh visiting the entire United States.
1: What was your what was your favorite stop along your wild <laughs> Brandon's wild adventure? Ooh.
0: What a question. One that I wasn't prepared for. I would say probably Seattle. Um enjoyed seeing Pike Market, which was cool. Um some really good chowder, a little seafood bisque, which was delicious.
1: <laughs> Got your bisque on, huh? Yeah, you know it. <laughs> well, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I am Dan Baspers. He is Brandon Marcus. It's Wednesday, which means it's Brandon Day. It's also Ailment Day. We haven't done that in a little bit either. How are you feeling?
0: I'm feeling good. Feeling real good. Uh, got my glasses on right now, so one eye is working. The other one's not, which is fine mm. um, because I'm going to go back to sleep after this. And, you know, right back to that... Uh, Work until 12 a.m. It's, it's really glorious. Um, but really, I can't complain considering that you have a pregnant wife and you stay up until the wee hours anyways on your own.
1: That's all right. My only ailment is fatigue right now, which as far as life goes is kind of baseline. So I, I also can't really complain all that much these days. By the way, uh, you heard it straight from his mouth. Brandon is just sitting at work until midnight. So bug him on Twitter at BD Marcus. He will hit you back with answers to your fantasy queries. This show is brought to you as always by our good buddies at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company, HI Kona Coffee on Twitter hawaiianisles.com and of course we are a hoop ball presentation very excited to start today's show by announcing that officially Hoop Ball's gambling show will be launching on Monday of next week. Oh yes, today in sports betting is back, the redux. That was the name of the pod I did A decade ago, I'm not hosting that show, but I loved the name, so I thought we could use it for uh, our hoop ball show as well. Josh Millman, Neil Rochelani, Iris Silver, Devin Ellington. Four hosts will be rotating throughout the week, breaking down not just the NBA, but all games. It is an all-sports betting show. It's all about handicapping. We're not selling the picks on the show, so it's all about learning how to do it yourself and uh, winning a little bit of money with our boys over at mybookie.ag. Might as well just get that ad in right now, won't we? Today is the promo code. MyBookie.ag is the website. Open up an account immediately. Or do it on Monday when our gambling show starts, if that's your thing. Again, MyBookie.ag, promo code T-O-D-A-Y. You get a 50% deposit bonus with your initial account. And if you screenshot it and send it over our way to at Hoopball fantasy or at Dan Vespers, we'll get you into a running for some hoop ball swag. Brandon, you got some buy lows and sell highs for us on this fine Wednesday? I do. Man, it's been a while. I I feel like it's been
0: ages since we've had any buy low, sell highs. And it's an interesting time of year to do this because we kind of know who these players are at this point. And there's pretty large sample sizes. And so it's going to be difficult because owners know if their players are good. They know if their players are bad. They know what's going to happen most likely going forward. But we're going to focus on some big names here for buy low, sell Mm. high. Do you want to buy low first or a sell high?
1: I want I want you to tell me what you well actually never mind. I was going to I was going to inject myself into the discussion, but I'm going to refrain from that cuz I've been talking too much lately. Uh give me a give me a buy low. I think people always want to know who they can go get.
0: I'm going to go with a name that uh we actually talked about a lot in the preseason. Al Horford, um who has not been producing at the level that he has produced in the last several years. If you look at The last several years, last year finished 29, the year before that 43, the year before that 35, the year before that 16. Sure, he's getting older. Right now, he's at 58. So you say, all right, he's doing pretty well. The only thing is, the reason why I'm saying buy low, the last two weeks, he's at 163. Hmm. He's only averaging 8.3 points per game in that time. He's shooting 36%. That is well below his career averages. So there may be a window here. and In fact, there is a window here where people are a little worried, and there's even talk that the Horford may be a guy that the 76ers might trade, which would be a little crazy considering the reason they got him is because of insurance in case Embiid has to ever miss time, so they have a backup center that's capable and can defend. But Horford's a guy that, sure, he's part of a mess in Philly where we don't know who's going to get the touches. Josh Richardson all of a sudden has figured out his offense. But Horford's a guy that has not been as good recently that he is capable of. So he has a buy low window right
1: now. First of all, I don't think he's getting traded. Do you? No. No. They got him, number one, like you said, to back up Joel Embiid if they need him to slide over and play center. They also got him because he's one of the best players in the NBA at defending Giannis. That, mm-hmm. that team is 100% built to go after the Milwaukee Bucks. They struggle with everybody else in the NBA, but Giannis they've got figured out. Also, why the hell can't they win on the road? The Sixers are 17 and 2 at home and 7 and 12 away from Philadelphia. There's <clears throat> there's a weird disconnect going on with that club and I know that they're like they have these team meetings in Josh Richardson's airing of the grievances when they lost a few games in a row, but it's it's pretty well correlated to where they're playing at the time. They're not losing games at home and they're losing to everybody. They lost all four games on their recent road trip. Admittedly, those teams were decent, but the, I mean, they had to have come away with one of those. Uh, on the Horford front, completely agree with you. As with all of these, it's going to come down to what it'll cost you to get him. The other thing, in addition to the the low field goal percent and the mere fact that he basically just hasn't even shot a free throw over the, the last month, is that he's also not getting any steals or blocks right now, which we know is not something that is his M.O. Throughout his career, he's averaged two combined steals and blocks and over the last couple of weeks he's at about half of that so there there is this this window and I think you're I think you're spot on because I've heard rumblings in the Twitter sphere and forums such like that that people are like should I drop him what do I do with Al Horford I'm like actually like I hope someone drops him because I will this is the reason you save up your waiver priority all season long yeah. What would you give up for him? I feel like a lot of the guys that he's near on the season right now, he's in he's in that 60 range, are actually relatively decent comparisons, no?
0: Yeah, no. I um, mean, look at the guy right below him, Jeremy Lamb. I think I'd rather have Al Horford rest of the season than Lamb, especially yep. since Oladipo at some point is going to come back. Um, I think I'd rather have Horford over Gallo, just because it seems like Gallo now has found the injury bug, and uh, it's going to continue to haunt him. For most likely the rest of the season. Marcus Morris is another guy. Um, because he's going to get traded most likely. Um, and if he doesn't, his, percentages, his field goal percentage sucks. So, uh, yeah. I think I'd rather have Horford than those two guys.
1: Yeah. Well, about some of the names that sit in front of him in the rankings right now? Are there guys you think that are in front of Horford that are going to fall behind him as he gets things turned around a little bit? He's uh, Will Barton is in front of him. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's been slowed considerably after that crazy hot start. DeMar DeRozan, Mitchell Robinson, those guys are sitting in front of him. Is there anybody in that group you'd prefer Horford over them?
0: I think I'd rather have Horford over Brogdon just because of the injury risk. um, Right now with Brogdon, Um, it continues where he comes back and gets hurt, and he comes back and gets hurt. And then also, like I said earlier with Lamb, it's Oladipo. It's going to come back at some point. So I think Horford over those guys. And then you look even further. I don't think there's many of those guys I'd rather have. Um, or I'd rather have Horford over. So I think that's about the area. But if you look at guys below, they have bigger names. That uh, I mean, even a guy like D'Angelo Russell, oh, I great think one. might be able to trade him away. Great to one. To someone like Horford.
1: I love that. I love that one. That is your perfect... If, if Russell comes back and has a few good games in a row, flip him for Al Horford immediately. Just get out from under that nonsense. Yeah. The Warriors... Aside from Damian Lee, basically. The Warriors are are just a total mess. That's the only guy it seems like they actually want to play every night. Yeah, Alec Burks uh, is
0: sitting in 66 right now, which is really impressive
1: too. If you could go get Horford for him, I doubt you can because he's probably going to get traded. But some of those names in there, absolutely. I mean, uh, Devontae Graham has a ton of name power, even though he's shooting a high volume 38%. Ricky Rubio is a weird... So here's the problem with some of this. We've now hit a point in the season, Brandon, where it's hard to trade someone like Graham or Rubio. Even though I'd rather have Horford just in a vacuum than those guys, mm. you've probably now built your team around the eight or nine assists that those guys are giving you. If you trade them for Horford, you're giving up 20 to 30 assists a week. That's a big swing.
0: Yeah, sure. And it all, depend- all depends on, like you said, how your team is built. But at the same time... I mean, you said Graham and his field goal percentage, but he does a lot of other things for you and is a good producer. So sure, if you trade away Graham, you're going to lose assists, but you're also going to gain back field goal percentage and you're going to gain back rebounds and you're going to get more steals and blocks. So you do have a trade-off where sure, you may lose a category in assists, but you do gain in
1: others. Do you think you could get Al Horford for Andrew Wiggins at this point?
0: Yeah, I think so. I still think, I didn't realize that Wiggins has been that, that bad. I know we haven't talked to him much, talked about him much recently, but I went and looked at him, rec- looked in, I think the last couple of days, actually, I pulled him up just to see where he was. And yeah, yeah I think that still is a, a name value, because Horford's not a huge name in the fantasy world. In the NBA world, sure, but not in the fantasy world. He doesn't do enough that's sexy and pulls the name out there.
1: Yep, Wiggins has been falling like a rock a little bit these days. Um, would you ever have Miles Turner or Al Horford? Miles Turner. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, too. Just more upside. Uh, Other names on this list. Jared Allen or Al Horford? Probably Horford.
0: That one's a little tougher um, because Allen does have the ability to go 20 and 15 in a game where I don't think Horford has that ability. Um, The field goal percentage is obviously very good as well with Allen. Uh, Lots of blocks. I think that one's really close.
1: I think I'm leaning Horford on that one. And what about JV in terms of, I'm just looking at big men near him now. Yeah. If you were trying to do a a big men switch, can you use a buy low, sell high there? Or would you rather have Valanchunas? He's been very good the last month and a half.
0: I think I'd rather have JV.
1: Yeah, I think I would too. Uh, he was a buy low for a while there. And so he's he's sort of a bad example for this particular segment because... You know he's still kind of on his way up after the slow start to the year. Where over the last couple of weeks, what is he? He's number forty-one over the last two weeks. He's the other. The stuff has all come together, and finally, this weird. He went through a a bad free throw stretch. JV in early December was shooting like seventy percent at the foul line, and it and it pulled his numbers back down. But since starting in that one fifteen range, he's just been slowly clawing his way up. So he's. Kind of in, a, in the opposite boat. Horford got out to a quick start. Now he's slumping. JV, slow start. He's on his way up. They're not necessarily ships passing at night. They're probably ships that are going to just sort of float alongside one another for, for a while. Uh, but I think you and I generally agree on on the other names in that neighborhood. Lamb, Gallo, uh, Brogdon, who's also kind of on his way down. Marcus Morris, who's tough to trade, man. People do not trust that dude. Um, and uh, who the hell? TJ Warren. You'd probably rather have a Horford, I assume. And, yeah. and Russell, D-Low. You've also mentioned a couple
0: guys I initially had in the buy-low so high. Um, if you look at Miles Turner, for example, I had him as a buy-low. You're talking about Turner or Horford, um, and I still think I'd rather have Turner, but that basically shows you right now the fact that you're asking that question that Turner is a guy that you can buy-low as well. That He's he's frustrating owners. There's no doubt about that. I own him in a league, and it's very frustrating that he'll show up in a game where he get. 10.6 rebounds and two blocks and really nothing great. And we talked about him before, and he's been on this list where with Turner it's, can he separate himself from Sabonis and get that playing time? And there was a glimpse there where it seemed pretty positive. And then now it's another game or two where we're unsure. He had those three blocks in the first half and then nothing in the second half. And that, that's something that you honestly is inexcusable. If you own him that you, you can't get one block in the entire second half. That's frustrating. But he's another guy that I think you can buy low where he has finished really well over the last several seasons and still has that ability. And it perhaps Oladipo coming back actually may help him mm-hmm. uh, in a weird way um, because I'm not sure that Sabonis' usage will be as high. And I think those two, Turner and Oladipo, played together pretty well last year. So perhaps that does help, which would – be something that would be great for
1: owners. Yeah, he, <clears throat> Miles functions significantly better in more of a, a a pick and roll scenario, a prick and pop actually more than anything with him. Actually really good last year alongside Darren Collison, who uh still contemplating his return. But I agree with you. I, I think it might actually help him a little bit because he doesn't want a ton of usage. He just wants somebody that's going to find him when he's open. Is that there, there could be a little bit of a Malcolm Brogdon thing going on as well. Brogdon went down, And Miles kind of took a step back as well, where perhaps he just needs a point guard on the floor. And is Aaron Holiday the solution there? It doesn't seem like he's got a ton of chemistry with Miles Turner. So I agree with you. I think he's a buy low as well. Uh, Do you have another buy low or do you want to do a sell high?
0: Let's do a sell high. Normally you can't sell injured players, but I do think you have the ability, because we've gotten some questions on Twitter involving this guy, and that's Bradley Beal. Um, I still think he has that name recognition. And because he's day-to-day and he might actually come back tonight, I I do think you have the ability to sell him. And if he does come back tonight, uh, I wouldn't mind trying to ship him out and maybe acquire a guy like, for example, a Kawhi Leonard that you and I talked about on Monday where he only has five back-to-backs left. Where Beal, we're now in that area where we're not sure he's going to be playing at the end of the season. And I like him now. Because if he's healthy, he obviously produces. But with McRae and Brown and those guys popping off, the Wizards, if they get down in the dumps and they continue to lose, there's going to be no reason to risk Wall and Beal at any point. Wall probably not coming back at all. And then Beal, why not wait to play him with Wall next year and get these young guys more experienced? So I think it's possible you see a Beal shutdown, which is why I would – okay shipping him, and I think we'd still get top value for him.
1: So this is... I don't know if it's necessarily a sell high. It's sort of like a sell... Sell in general. Sell even? Like you're hoping to get even money for him?
0: Yeah, yeah. But I still think you can sell him at his first round value, which is something that you normally can't do Hmm. with an injured player.
1: What is... I'm trying to look at some of the names. So Bradley Beal, in a weird twist, is actually per game 33. He was having a weird season. He wasn't hitting a ton of shots. 43.5% was a lot lower than where he was at last year. But presumably, you could get someone higher than that 33 mark is, is what you're saying, and I'm inclined to agree with you on that. I, where I disagree perhaps a little bit is I don't know if you can get a top 12 guy. I think you might be looking more in the top 20 range maybe like uh oh I don't know maybe you could target a <laughs> this is a weird one like a Brandon Ingram would you want that eh, I don't know uh,
0: no but what about John Collins I still think you could trade away Beal and get Collins I think that's very possible yeah I
1: think I might do that too Um Vucevic is another one that yep. I think
0: I'd rather have over Beal
1: yep I agree with that one um what about my guy Lamarcus Aldridge who's 14 and and I mean, some of that is his low turnovers, but he's having a hell of a season again.
0: Yeah, no, and he, he I think he was number two or three over the last several weeks, and a guy that's averaging 19 and eight, and he gets you almost two blocks a game, shoots 51% from the field, 85% from the line. He doesn't hurt you at all. Um, I, yeah, I'd be okay taking Aldridge for the steadiness over a guy like Beal, even though you will look and you will see a game where Beal gets 35 points and hits eight threes, and it's going to frustrate the hell out of you, but just know in the long run, especially in head-to-head formats, I think Aldridge is probably the better choice because right now the Spurs are right there in the playoff picture and they have no reason to sit Aldridge.
1: Yeah, and he's generally been pretty damn durable last couple of years in particular. I think he played, what, 81 out of the 82 games last year, if I'm not mistaken? What about yeah. uh, a couple more names in the, that are above, above Beal in the rankings but were drafted behind him overall? Do you think you could get Paul George for him, and would you want it?
0: I think it's possible, and yeah. Jimmy Butler?
1: Yeah, that's, I would definitely go for a guy
0: like Jimmy Butler. He's actually one of my other buy lows just because of the str- rough stretch he's having right now. Yeah, make well, a shot,
1: Jimmy. Make a damn shot, Jimmy.
0: Yeah, where well, I'm not sure people realize he's still a top 12 guy. Uh, remember, he was at a stretch where he was really a top five player for quite some time. So it, it's possible that maybe if you're a Beal owner, you might be able to uh, pry Butler away from a frustrated owner.
1: You're not getting Giannis, so I'm going to jump over that one. Would you no. take Clint Capella for Beal? He's been great. Yeah. Would you uh I don't think you could get Nikola Jokic. Do you think you could get Jokic for Beal? I doubt it. Oh, I don't think so. Uh, would you take Chris Paul? No.
0: No, I don't think so.
1: And then here now you're into the area of guys that are actually ranked not that far from Beal overall, but I mean, these are guys I think I probably would take in favor uh, to get out from under the Bradley Beal thing. Trey Young? Yes. Kemba? Yes. Devin Booker? no yeah i think that's probably my cutoff also (laughs) right at the same spot so 20 26 basically is our cutoff here um
0: i don't think people realize by the way that beale has been that bad this season
1: no they don't almost there's almost no way because his popcorn numbers are are still huge but his steals blocks field goal percent all way down season over season that's a big deal um all right. I think we're basically in. I think we're we're in agreement on that. You got anything else for us? Uh, and one more sell high. Oh, um, all right. Hit this me. is
0: one that we've kind of discussed before, and I'm curious just to get your thoughts because now we're getting to the point where the numbers that Hassan Whiteside are putting up is just astronomical and uh, absurd. And I mean, the free throw percentage at 77, just I mean, right now he's sitting, I think, at six in per game, which is absolutely mind blowing. And the real question is. Is there going to be a threat to his playing time at some point? Or is he going to blow up at some point? Is there going to be something with Hassan Whiteside that has come up in the past that is going to hurt his value? And what can you get for him? Because I think that's the most interesting thing. If you own Hassan Whiteside, where do other owners think he is right now? How do they treat him? Would you rather have, if you own Whiteside, would you trade him away for a John Collins? And would the other owner do that? I think that's the most interesting thing with Mm. him. It's more of a... I'm not sure how much of a sell high because I don't know how other owners value him, um, but more of a where does he actually value right now?
1: Yeah, I want to take this question actually to the people because I'm very much with you in that I have no idea how folks are valuing Hassan Whiteside either. I would, by the way, to answer your question, prefer John Collins. Um, Me too. But if I have Hassan Whiteside right now, it's going to take... The mother load to get him off of my team. Like, I don't know that I can part with a guy who's averaging three blocks a game and four for a month. Yeah. I don't know what I like. I don't, whatever I've built with my team, I've basically said, oh, I have Hassan Whiteside. I can do all of these other things. If you part with that, his very unique stats right now, you have to retool your entire club. So I, I, I don't, I don't really know how you can possibly get away with doing that. Now.
0: Yeah. And it's funny you say that because I actually own Hassan Whiteside in my big league. Um, and it's a keeper league. And I drafted him for eight. So he will be 14 next year, which right now, that is the biggest bargain amongst all bargains. But of any guy, I feel like that's someone where all of a sudden he could end up in a bad situation next year. And that 14 doesn't seem that great. And I just don't know where to value him, especially in keeper formats for next year. But right now, It's I don't know what I could get for him. And I think that's the most frustrating thing is that I think I would try and sell him if I could get a guy like a Paul George, for example. Um, Or I think I may – I don't know if I'd rather have Aldridge or Whiteside right now, which is crazy just because of how good Whiteside has been. It's just a matter of how terrified you are going forward of someone coming after his value or if it's just a matter of, hey, you ride this as long as you can and hope that things work out.
1: Yeah, that one's—it's a really tough one. I think, I think you have to try to trade him for someone with similar stats. That mm-hmm. has to be the target here, because if you trade him and you're just going exclusively sell high, which it absolutely is. I, I mean, I don't—if Yusuf Nurkic plays even one game, he's going to put a dent into us on Whiteside. And I—I I don't know what what Nurkic's deal is going to be. I don't think he's going to play significantly this year, but. I mean, even if he sees 16 to 18 minutes at night, a lot of that's going to be coming from Hassan, who's, who's playing 30 and just doing everything right now. So if you're looking exclusively at a buy high, at a sell high, there are all these guys around him that you could try to target. I mean, he's, he's right next to Damian Lillard right now, which is freaking crazy. Uh, Joel Embiid, he's ahead of Joel Embiid. John Collins, you mentioned. Drummond, all of these, Aldridge, Giannis, Clint Capella, all of these guys are behind Hassan Whiteside. And pretty much every name that I just said there, in general, I probably would prefer to have over Hassan, but we're into January now. So how do you look at your team? I mean, if you're in a head-to-head league, which, Brandon, I know you do more head-to-head, I do more Roto. Yeah. At least with Roto, all of the blocks he has to this point will have, they're in your bucket now in Roto. So you could trade him away and you'd be like, all right, well, you know, I've got this big lead in blocks. I can afford to take back. Some I can take back John Collins, you know, one and a half blocks a game instead of four, and obviously it's going to slow me down a lot. But I've got this massive lead. Head to head, you could just go from winning blocks every week to losing blocks every week. That that to me is a very tough thing to stomach unless you're getting at least two or maybe one point eight, like consistently one point eight blocks coming back in that trade, which is that eliminates a lot of names on this list. It it leaves you basically like uh, Drummond. Not Embiid, amazingly. Aldridge is at 1.9. Capella is at 1.8. And I don't know that I would go any farther down the list at this point. I think at that at that juncture, I'd probably rather just ride Hassan.
0: Yeah, and I think Drummond, by the way, is in that same area where if he gets traded, he's not going to have the same role that he has right now. So that's something to monitor because if it really does seem like they're going to get rid of him, He's not going to put up 17 and a half and 16 on his new team. I just don't think that's going to happen. His usage won't be as high. He won't be the only guy where he is right now with Blake Griffin gone and nobody else really on that roster. So Drummond, by the way, you can put in that same category, and I think he is a guy that might be a little bit easier to sell than a Hassan Whiteside.
1: Yeah, I think with Drummond, one of the saving graces is that the teams that would be looking at him all desperately need a center. So at least there's that part of the mix, like the Hawks. I mean, he would go in there and he would just destroy everyone on the glass. Or if he ended up with like, what are the other teams we've heard bounced around? The Celtics need a big man. I mean, yeah, even
0: even the Hawks. By the way, have Trey Young and John Collins. So that usage is really not going to be as high.
1: Although he'll still get he'll get better looks with those teams, (laughs) as opposed to whoever's getting him looks with the Pistons right now. Uh, that is nobody. Um. I could actually see this field goal percent going up on one of these other teams. Cause there's a, there's a weird element to wanting to actually play like the, the, Hey, I'm on a, t- I'm on a team that cares now. I'm going to actually try a little bit harder. Um, but yeah, the scoring would, or should almost definitely go down uh, post trade with him. But yeah, I mean, it, the white side thing is a tough one because on paper, he's an obvious sell high. But when you look at your team, we're almost too far into the season to make just a trade for someone else who you think is going to finish a little bit ahead of him. Like, of course you trade Hassan Whiteside for Damian Lillard, but then you're you're positioned with a whole bunch of other weird problems to address at this point.
0: Yeah, your field goal percentage is not as good. You're not you're not getting as many blocks. Um, you're not getting as many rebounds, obviously. So it hurts you in different categories. That's the toughest thing with him.
1: I would obviously do that. I mean, yeah. I would take Damian Lillard in a heartbeat over Hassan Whiteside. But you you just have to you you have to sort of be aware of what you're getting into like you if you're in head to head you have to at that point say okay I'm like I'm rebuilding my team to be a three point shooting free throw winning assist winning scoring juggernaut uh and I'm probably not going to win rebounds and blocks anymore so it's yeah. it, that's a hard sell at this point in the year
0: yeah and it's just interesting because you look at head to head and like you said I mean that right now it's really gone to the point with one of my teams where between Gobert and Whiteside and Holmes, uh, I'm winning blocks and rebounds and field goal percentage every single week. So I've set myself up where I only need to win two more categories to win the week. And if you trade him away, then that changes. But at the same time, you also don't want to be screwed come playoff time. And all of a sudden, he's acting like a top 75, top 80 player. And your team is not as good. And you're going to run into some trouble.
1: Yep. All right. Well said. Brandon, it's a pleasure to have you back, Brandon Day. De- I mean, this is like, ah, makes me so happy to talk to another person again. Happy Brandon Day to you. What a delight. Happy Brandon Day. <laughs> what a delight indeed. I will see you for our premium show on Monday. Talk to you then. And that was our great buddy, Brandon Marcus, back on the show after a little holiday respite for some buy low, sell high. Again, he's B D Marcus on Twitter. Want to remind everybody before we dig into some of what happened last night, that this is the continued recruiting push here at HoopBall. We got amazing responses to that Twitter thread from a couple days ago, but the one thing that didn't really surface, at least more than a couple of you, I think of the 17 or 20 apps that came in, I think only like two of you guys were interested in doing some of the writing for the website and and maybe that's because this is a podcast and and my twitter following is also heavily related to this show but i wanted to put it out there once again we are looking for folks that can come and do some writing for us here at hoop ball also apparently it's construction day in the neighborhood so get used to that on today's pod the the writing side involves articles newswire shifts the Blurb Feed, which we've talked about on this show before. Remember, we talked about that going into the season. And that's a big one for us here at Ball. It's a really big one for folks that want to get good at playing fantasy and writing fantasy. Because when you learn how to, how to understand, how to interpret the news and turn it into fantasy-relevant blurbs quickly, you become really fast and really good at fantasy basketball. So hit me up, at Dan vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com if you want to be a writer here at Hoopball. That's what we need. we got to fill in some of these open shifts. we got articles that need to be covered. That could be you. I have some pretty relevant thoughts, maybe. Well, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say relevant, but uh, extensive thoughts on what at the time looked like it might be a relatively tame Tuesday, 6-ball game Tuesday. i would dive into a couple of those right now while they continue to work on the side of the building. As it turned out, it was uh, fairly interesting. We, of course, got the Freddie Van Fleet news, not quickly prior to game time, but with plenty of time to spare, so there was even more reason to pay attention to Toronto. Not a whole lot of reason to pay attention to Portland at this point, who got themselves a very crucial road win, and now we know why that line was weird. I guess. Carmelo Anthony woke up back up. 28-7, and seven, five threes and a couple of steals. He'd been running very cold for the previous, oh, I don't know, week, week and a half or so. The, the shot issues that we were always a little bit worried about were creeping back in. Uh, so it was nice to see him get things turned around if but for a game. We'll see if this thing settles into some sort of median point. But he had been shooting the ball. Well, he had that pretty good game in Washington, but who doesn't? And it, it, the mellow story is a weird one, right? I mean, there are games where he goes 9 for 17. There are games where he goes 4 for 16. You just have to hope that the good outweighs the bad. And right now, he's shooting 43.5% from the field, which is pretty solid compared to the possible ways that this could have gone. You know, we, we, there, were, there were worlds where we thought he might end up in the, in the 40 range, but he's been better. And yesterday's ball game was a big reason why. Getting a couple steals and five threes really buttressed his numbers. Because remember, he's only played in 23 ball games. So his stuff can still change faster than some of the other folks in the NBA right now. So he does probably continue to belong on a nine category roster as he fluctuates back and forth between being worth owning and not worth owning. And for guys like that, the general solution is. Probably just don't pay too close attention to the individual game by game and hope that it levels off to something in the 90 to 110 range and you were just fine to play them the whole way through. On the Toronto side, there was thought, I thought maybe you'd see some Terrence Davis. I thought maybe you'd see a little more Patrick McCaw on offense. And the answer really was you just got more Kyle Lowry. O'Shea Brissett also played 23 minutes and was relatively successful. I know Chris Boucher actually finally had a, a slightly better ball game with three blocks mixed in, did miss some free throws. He only played 16 minutes, and I don't trust a dude. I mean, Nerlens Noel is basically the only guy in the NBA I trust playing 16 minutes, and even that is iffy. I want him more in that 19 to 22 range. So this doesn't change my feelings on Boucher at all. He just had a, a slightly better performance in his limited minutes. He continues to be outside of the use line. Sergi Ibaka didn't have any defensive stats, and that kept his numbers down. And then the other disappointment from this one was OG Ananobi, who's been slow overall lately, but you figured with everybody out, surely he was going to have to do something, and he didn't. Still, I'm holding because I have to believe At some point along the way here, Nick Nurse is going to be like, dude, you got to do something. You cannot just sit there and let Kyle Lowry take 23 contested shots. you got to go take some buckets. You can't be taking fewer shots than Rondé Hollis Jefferson. So I'm going to hold, and we're going to see how that thing plays out, but he's obviously trying to play his way off of my fantasy roster in the very few places that I have him, but Detroit beat Cleveland 115-113 with a furious fourth quarter comeback. Andre Drummond is playing like a guy who wants to get traded. 23-20 with a steal a couple of blocks. He was really good. And we're watching a lot of names on that Detroit side. Name number one we've been watching is Christian Wood, who seems like he's moved back into the doghouse with Dwayne Casey, and this was always the fear with Wood, who I still think has a path to value, but for some reason they just Don't want to let him go. Derrick Rose is the other guy you're obviously starting on a night-to-night basis. Tony Snell got hot, hit 7 of 10 shots. You're not buying into that. Bruce Brown had 7 assists, 2 steals, and a block. And he's had some pretty okay across-the-board lines lately. It's not, not an exciting fantasy situation. But the assists are nice, six, four, five, and seven over his last four ball games. So he's averaging over five assists over that stretch. But he doesn't take many shots. He's hit his free throws and gotten some steals. That's kind of pushed his value up over that stretch of time. And I don't know that all of that stuff is really going to stick, right? Is he going to hit two and a half out of two and a half free throws every ball game? No, nobody shoots 100%. Are the five and a half assists going to stick? Probably not. The one and a half steals could. So, yeah, I know he's top 75 over the last week, but how much of that is really, truly sustainable? If Detroit shuts everybody down, which remains a possibility, then you start to look a little bit harder at him. And he's got these okay games kind of fluctuating between... He's not going to hit any three-pointers either, which is another note. So he's going to have to be incredibly efficient in everything else that he does. And so far, over these last week, week and a half, he has been that. So if you want to stick him away on your team somewhere, he's sort of like the quiet, not super interesting guy to use in Detroit, who can get you some defensive stats, who can get you some assists and do it without totally blowing your team up in any one spot. But I also understand if you're looking at him and you're thinking, this is a guy that looks like he's going to settle right around the edge of the top 100, top 115, I'd rather take a flyer on somebody more interesting, which right now is obviously uh, Sekou Dumbuya, who we don't have any idea how this whole thing's going to play itself out, but he's playing 33 minutes a night right now. Yesterday had 15 points, three steals, and a couple of rebounds, and that was it in a weird performance in that number of minutes. The real key for everyone in Detroit is Andre Drummond. If he gets moved, the whole situation changes because he's grabbing... 15 to 20 rebounds a night all of that just comes back out onto the table so even if someone comes back to Detroit in a Drummond trade they're not going to be the kind of presence that Andre was even if they play the minutes that Andre plays they're not going to be the kind of presence that Drummond is right now so it's just going to open up things for other people even if the minutes don't change very much so you have to have some spots on your roster that's the real key you need to have a, a, something that you can part with at the end of your bench. I mean, you could make an argument to add Wood, Dumbuya, and Brown just to see how this whole thing plays out in Detroit, but you might be sitting on him for four or five weeks, which I can't, I can't advocate just sitting on guys for that long. Now, the nice thing about Dumbuya right now is that he's playing big minutes. Wood isn't. Brown kind of is. But there are also guys for Detroit where we don't have a, a perfect knowledge of when they're coming back. There's an expectation that Luke Kennard is going to be reevaluated here in the next couple of days, and maybe he's getting close. If he does come back, by the way, he's a must own guy. He would go straight into the starting lineup, probably for Svi Mikhailiuk and Markeef Morris, who's been dealing with a foot thing. We don't know if he's ever coming back, and if he does, he probably bumps Dumbuya either down to small forward or to the bench. And therein lies this problem because so many times we get into this pickle where you're like, yeah, well, two guys should bounce two of these other dudes out of the starting lineup, but we don't know if they're coming back or not. And this is an argument for streaming because you could stream Bruce Brown or Dumbuya and they could end up just having the job the rest of the way if the starters don't ever come back. So there's your argument for using those guys. The argument against it is, if you have pretty good players on your team, you don't want to drop one for someone that might end up back on the bench playing 15 minutes in a week and a half. I get it. So there, I don't think that there's a clear right or wrong answer with these guys on Detroit. Cleveland, there does appear to be a little bit more clear right or wrong answer. Colin Sexton continues to do nothing besides just score. It's, we mentioned it with Spencer Dinwiddie, Lou Williams, another sim- similar example of guys that score a whole lot of points but somehow don't help your fantasy team right now. Darius Garland is the one we're kind of hoping can turn the corner a little bit. Can he pass a tiny bit more? It remains to be seen. Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, expect a big month from those two guys while they try to boost their trade value and get the heck out of Dodge. So if ever there was a time to trot those dudes out into your fantasy lineup, this would be the month. This is the, hi, I'm Tristan Thompson. I would like to play for your contender. Hi, I'm Kevin Love. I would like to escape the remaining half decade I have on my deal in Cleveland. So run those guys out there with confidence. And then obviously if they get moved, things probably take a little bit of a hit. Darius Garland is very much on my watch list right now. He's been better lately, but not good yet. Better, but not good. But that means that there's hope. And for Colin Sexton, I don't know that there's a similar hope there. Oh, Cleveland. Oklahoma City winners at Brooklyn. Chris Paul He always steps up when they need him. You know, it looked like he just sort of was letting his teammates do stuff for most of this game, and then they fell behind in the third, second, third, I think it was the third quarter, and then Paul was like, "Uh uh-uh, nope, we're not losing this one, and he went buck wild late. He continues to be just a rock-solid fantasy producer all season long. Whatever we've been doing, knocking on wood, sacrificing live animals, it doesn't matter. Let's keep doing it, because right now, by totals, he is number nine in nine category formats. 23 by averages, but he's been healthy. 47% from the field, 91 at the free-throw line. The only thing you want to see more of is assists, but the guys on his team don't make every shot, and then what you, you get what you got yesterday, which is, all right, guys, I'm going to just have to go do this thing. Gallo was a late scratch, so Terrence Ferguson got to play 40 minutes, and Darius Bazley got a start and played 15, but generally when he's out, you just get more shots for Dennis Schroeder, Shea, and Chris Paul. For Brooklyn, they're falling apart at the seams. The the, the shine has come off. Karis LeVert coming back, hopefully will give them a little bit of a kick in the pants. He had 20 points. Inefficient 20 points. That's, that's always kind of been his issue, is his field goal and free throw percent are both not good. And his turnovers tend to be relatively high, so I'm not really leaping at the Karis LeVert stuff, and I never have. Spencer Dinwiddie's running out of gas, trying to shoulder the load himself. He's been down near the edge of the top 200 lately, despite scoring a lot of points. His high-volume misses are killing you. Torian Prince was good in this one. His field goal percent does seem like it's due for a positive regression, but overall, this is a team that needs a superstar. So we shall wait, and we shall see. They're, They're really tumbling hard, and they're kind of opening up the race for that eighth playoff spot in the East again. Where it looked like the Magic and the Nets were safely in there. Nets are only two and a half games up on the Hornets and three up on the God-awful Pistons. Three and a half up on the God-awful Bulls. What a what maddening thing. Minnesota losers at Memphis played well at the start of this ball game, and then for some reason they just didn't let Gorgi Jeng play all that much. I don't I don't fully understand what was going on there. He's been so good lately that obviously you don't let one down game sully what has actually been. Prior to this one, a top 25 run with no Carl anthony Towns. That injury, by the way, deserves its own segment on the podcast, I think. But we'll get into, eh, well, maybe I'll get into that towards the end of the show. I'm going to loop back around to the Minnesota Carl anthony Towns stuff. The guards on Minnesota, I do want to talk about right now. Shabazz Napier played only 24 minutes, and you have to wonder if this is sort of the start of his decline, at least until Jeff Teague maybe gets traded. You know he's on the block. He got 18-6. and six. He actually looked really good. Spry in yesterday's game at Memphis. So you, I mean, like we said after the last one, you hold on to see if they were ramping up his minutes coming back from injury, and it looks like they were. Andrew Wiggins slowly finding whatever weirdo form. He looks a little bit too much like old Andrew Wiggins these days, but I think he's going to be okay. And then Jared Culver, who still can't make his free throws, but the other stuff looks incredibly juicy. To me, he looks like a, an awesome dynasty or keeper guy right now. Someone who can, during an off-season, get his head straight at the free-throw line, and, you know, he bumped, what is he, it's like 30-something percent at the free-throw line these days for for Jarrett Culver. On the season, uh, 44, I mean, that's not going to stick. 38 from the field for a guy that's not taking that many three-pointers, that's not going to stick either. Those things over his career are going to change quickly. I don't know if they're going to change this year, but I do believe that, it's probably he's hit a point now where the confidence is coming back, his minutes have ramped up in a big way. So you probably have to just stick him at the end of your bench. If you A are good to go on games cap, in a roto league, like you can just bench him and not worry about it. Call him an active stash. B you maybe there's a need for for rebounds, assists, steals and blocks on your team because that's probably what he's going to be providing. Or C, you can kind of buttress what he's done poorly, which is percentages. Maybe you have a team that's really good in those departments as well. So you kind of need a few things to break your way for for that pickup to make sense. But there's so much, there's infinite upside. Of all of the guys that I'm looking at in fantasy right now, and all the guys that have these giant gaping holes in their game, Jared Culver has among the biggest upside. Because you can look at it and you're like, well, clearly the problem here is that he cannot put the ball through the bucket at any reasonable clip. 38 from the field, 44 at the free throw line. Those are those are soul-crushing numbers. But they're also not going to stick that way for his career. So that's why you look at that and you're like, well, the rest of his stuff is just insanely good. The upside is through the roof. He just has to find a way to not hit 45% of his free throws. Over the last week, he's hit 55% of his free throws, and he's number 85. So he's basically like a punt, Free throw guy, because uh, the field goals are starting to get a little bit better for him. So to me, he's an active stash, crazy awesome fantasy stat set, if he could make any of his shots. I'm throwing him on the end of my bench in a couple of spots and just going to sit on him for a little bit and kind of see how the whole thing plays out. I you feel like you almost have to. Memphis I J Crowder is on one of his weird little heaters right now. If you want to ride it, go ahead, but I'm not going to. Jared Jackson Jr was good again. Dylan Brooks is also on one of his little heaters. And in a weird twist, both Brandon Clark and Jonas Valančiūnas were bad in this game and they ended up having decreased minutes. They'll be fine. Sacramento at Phoenix. Trevor Riza played big minutes. No Rashawn Holmes, no Marvin Bagley. So Nemanja Bjelica, he's locked in for huge minutes in the short term. He played 38 in this ballgame. He looks like a great fantasy guy right now. Dwayne Dedman played 31 minutes off the bench. He's the other guy I want to talk about in this game. I don't give a crap about Trevor Ariza. Dwayne Dedman, who asked out of Sacramento and was fined by the league for it, still has... He signed a three-year, $40 million contract. Although, I admit, I don't remember if that third year is somehow option-related. In any event the next year, the second year of his contract is guaranteed. Okay, so if they're trying to move him, they're trying to move a guy with at least this year and next year on his contract. That's not easy. That being said, if he gets moved, he is an immediate add to all of your teams. Literally stop what you're doing right now and figure out who you would drop on your fantasy team for Dwayne Dedman if he gets traded. If he stays in Sacramento, you don't have to worry about it because as soon as Bagley or Holmes comes back, he goes back to basically not playing. But his fantasy game is terrific. We saw it in Atlanta last year. He can get you three a steel and a block in 25 minutes a game. So he goes somewhere where he's getting decent center minutes. He's an automatic, immediate, stop-what-you're-doing ad. So keep an eye on it. Keep a very close watch on it. But you're not doing anything with him as long as he's in Sacramento. I don't even care that he played 31 minutes here. If Harry Giles was playing better, those minutes would have probably flip-flopped. Although Giles is actually okay. It's going to be a little bit of a hot hand thing while Bagley and Holmes are out. For Phoenix, the Aaron Baines-Twin Towers thing is not going as well as expected. He had that one big game. I'm going to give it a little bit longer just to see how it shakes out. Obviously, Sacramento went relatively small in this game. Deadman, the big man, and then a lot of floor spacing. So maybe that was a little bit tougher for Phoenix. And Aiton was playing better, so that bought him extra minutes on the floor. Uh, Dario Saric is playing a little bit better so he got a couple more minutes on the floor I'm going to hang on a little bit longer although you could certainly make the argument that Baines is a drop for one of these active stash kind of guys if you don't need to try him out there immediately we've been talking about like a Culver or even a Norman Powell back up on Toronto if he gets back skipped right over that one if Powell gets back before Freddie Van Fleet he should be great so he's another potential mini stash that we're talking about here. Last game on the docket from last night, New York at LA. This one ended up as a blowout. Anthony Davis hurt his tailbone. It was a listed as a sacral contusion. And then they changed it to a tailbone contusion this morning, which is actually good news. Initially, he was going to miss their two-game road trip. Now he's going to travel with the team and get treatment on the road, so he may only miss one or two games. We shall see. Or none, I guess. It'll see. It'll depend on how he feels. Last night, I was looking at all my leagues to see if I could pick up Javale McGee and Dwight Howard in streaming spots, and they were basically owned everywhere. And now we're finding out it really might be a one or two game thing. Alfred Payton had a good ball game, which uh, slapped me in the face because I've been calling him out for a couple of weeks. Julius Randle's turning back into Julius Randle. Bobby Portis tried to take KCP's head off and got ejected. I saw an article on Twitter <laughs> yesterday about teams inquiring on Bobby Portis. That feels like a Knicks leak if ever there was one. This dude sucks. Please don't tell him I said that. Back on the Alfred Payton thing, this is a perfect scenario for him, and he still had five turnovers. This is as perfect as it can get because he only took nine shots and he made six of them, which almost never happens. He got defensive stats. He got rebounds as well, and he didn't have to shoot any free throws. This is your best possible scenario for Payton. I still am not a believer in what he can do when he's on the floor. He didn't even hit 30 minutes in this game either. I, I'm out. I'm not in on Peyton. I don't care that he had a good ball game. I'm not. I'm not in on him. Turning our attention now, of course, to the Wednesday card. I lose track of the days around here, man. This I'm actually recording it on the correct day, and I still don't know what day it is. Turning our attention to the Wednesday card. We already talked to you about My bookie earlier in the show, but remember, that's MyBookie.ag. And as we work our way through these, we can do it actually all together, fantasy and betting, since we've already done the uh, the advertisement for our buddies over at MyBookie. Washington is at Orlando. Magic are a nine-and-a-half point favorite. Wizards have actually been playing relatively well, but this this line is actually screaming the game where Washington completely falls apart. Orlando plays defense, and uh, they, they want it right now. The Magic are playing pretty good basketball, and I think some of that has to do with the loss of Jonathan Isaac in that they've all sort of... They've been galvanized a tiny bit to say, hey, we can do this. You're getting that player out bounce, and uh, they're playing well right now. So I'm going to leave this one alone generally on the, the betting side. From the fantasy perspective, we'll see if Markel Fultz has another good game in the tank. He had a good one last time around. Uh, otherwise, Terrence Ross has just been doing a little bit more. And for Washington, Bradley Bill, questionable. I- I'm trotting out Jordan McRae anyway. Troy Brown's been very good. Ish Smith has been very good lately, but I don't really like his long-term outlook. He's got too many holes in his fantasy game, even when he's scoring a bunch of points like this. Maybe he keeps it up a little bit longer, but it ain't going to be forever. We've we've seen this story before. And then uh, just on the injury front, they have a whole bunch of guys that are hopefully back soon, and the whole dynamic is going to change. So just be ready for that. And it's why I've largely ignored some of the stuff going on with the Wiz, because a lot of it is short term they're they're gonna bring back davis bertans they're gonna bring back Beale for some small stretch they're going to bring back thomas bryant when he's ready to go mo wagner at some point their their whole team is just cooked right now and so that's why i'm like you know what i like we could we could chase with this club but ultimately things are going to change very soon so kind of what's the point other than jordan mcrae who's going completely nuts Miami at Indiana. Jimmy Butler is probable after missing one with a back injury. Maybe that was something with this ball, the ball that wasn't going through the hoop for him. I mean, he's been good lately, but the shot's not falling. Indiana, uh, Malcolm Brogdon's still out, so you can more than likely stream Aaron Holiday. I know he had a down game last time, but he, in general, he's relatively safe in that regard. Justice Winslow said to make his return for the Heat as well. Uh, they're going to ease him back in, they said. So, in terms of would you fade a team getting a guy back, I don't know that it changes a whole much. Indy by one. This is basically a pick 'em. Miami's been uh, a little bit hit or miss lately. It, every team goes through these kind of ups and downs. They they did beat Portland their last time around, but they've been having some scoring issues lately. And we'll see if they take that into Indiana. Should be a good ball game, I think, at the very least. Uh, this will be tight, and so to me, the line is is relatively accurate. Toronto, two-and-a-half-point road favorites at Charlotte after blowing one late yesterday to the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, you could argue that they're going to be irritated and want to play harder. I just I don't know how much firepower they have right now, so ever so slightly into Charlotte. But at the same time, probably not enough for me to pull the trigger on this one. For Toronto, mostly trusting Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka. I want to trust OG Ananobi, but he hasn't been enough involved lately. Spurs at Celtics. Spurs coming off that big win over Milwaukee on the home-and-home. Home. Boston favored by 6.5. I like the, the Celtics in this ballgame. I don't think the Spurs play as well as they did the last time out. That felt like a game where they sort of got up for it. Should be, I think, a fun one. Spurs have been sort of airing it out a little bit more lately. And uh, not a whole lot to watch on the fantasy side for either of these two ball games. Houston at Atlanta. When the crap was the last time the Rockets even played a basketball game? I feel like it's been forever and since we said... Well, we're going to pay attention to P.J. Tucker, Daniel House, and see if they can get a little bit of usage going. Yeah, they played on the third, so uh, this four days off in between games. Now they go back-to-back. Atlanta at OKC the following game. Houston an eight-point favorite. Teams tend to play a little bit weird when they rest for a very long time, so I would lean to the Atlanta Hawks in this ballgame. Fantasy side, uh, we're watching Alex Len, who's been, who had a a tougher one against Nikola Jokic. He was in foul trouble, but has actually been playing pretty well lately for the Hawks. Has some chemistry with Trey Young. He's not a must own or must start guy by any stretch, but he's on the watch list. And then with Houston, it's the same thing. Is it time, did this rest give PJ Tucker what he needed to sort of get his legs back underneath him? I think Daniel House may have kind of lost his place once Russell Westbrook started taking a bunch of shots and he and Harden soaked up all the usage. House seems to have... It's tough to be a guy on a team that doesn't really ever get to touch the basketball. P.J. Tucker's kind of the pioneer of that with this club. He finds other ways to get his value. For House, it seems like not getting to do stuff hurts him in other ways, where the defense then suffers a little bit. And and you see that a lot. Guys need to be engaged, or they some of their other stuff tends to kind of float away a little bit. So we'll uh, we'll obviously keep an eye on that going forward. Denver at Dallas. This should be a fun one. Denver-Dallas. Uh, this is the game you watch if you're just interested in the basketball. Dwight Powell's been playing very well for the Mavs. Still on right. Bounced back in his last one. Those are the two guys we're pretty much constantly watching on the Dallas side. And for Denver, not much to pay attention to. Chicago-New Orleans. Nothing really interesting on the Chicago side. Although... Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. probably going to miss a couple of ball games. So I guess you could think about streaming Daniel Gafford. I'm not totally sold on that front. I don't know how many minutes they're actually going to give him. It seems like you may see more Larry Markinen at center, slide him over. If there's enough for Gafford, then maybe he makes an impact. He's going to go up against Derek Favors if he starts in this thing. And Favors has been really good for the Pelicans lately. No Drew Holiday once again for New Orleans. So additional usage for Brandon Ingram. J.J. Redick, Lonzo Ball, all those guys get a nice bump and they all move back. Uh, Redick in particular moves back onto the right side of the cut line. Uh, New Orleans slowly getting closer to having Zion back as well. I like the Pelicans. They've been playing their butts off lately. Then by four feels like a a pretty good one. Knicks on the back-to-back in altitude after losing by 30 in L.A. This one could get ugly. We'll see how it goes. Julius Randle sitting it out. The question here is, does Utah take this team seriously enough with no Randall? Marcus Morris is, uh, I believe, doubtful at this point. Who's left? I mean, this is the... Well, you know, we talked about how Alfred Payton basically needs everybody on his team to be hurt for him to have fantasy value. This might be the game. No Randall, no Morris. There's no one out there to do anything on the usage front. It's just going to be all Alfred Payton. So stream away in this one with him. Uh... If anything, I would look at the under. Like, I don't even know if the Knicks can put up 100 points, but this screams a game where Utah goes, oh, we get to play these guys? And just, they don't pay attention until the fourth quarter. So I would lean ever so slightly to Utah laying a crap load, but I don't know if I can pull the trigger with that giant line. And then the Bucks lay in the same number, but on the road at Golden State. By the way, this that basically tells us that this would be a 20-point line if this game was in Milwaukee Draymond Green is expected to play for the Warriors, but more than anything, we're just sort of watching the young guys. Damian Lee uh, presumably will get his normal allotment of minutes, but Milwaukee's defense is so damn good, so be very, very careful in this one with your Warriors. Bucks are awesome, and they are almost equally awesome on the road. 14-4 and away, 18-2 and at home. They'll beat the crap out of you anywhere. Big thanks to Brandon Marcus. That was fun. Uh, we're moving Pedro to day. Our buddy Pedro is going to be on first thing next week, so that's no longer going to be on tomorrow's podcast. So you're stuck with just your old buddy Dan. We'll break down the uh, nine-game Wednesday card, do a little deep dive on some of this stuff. I got other things in the pocket to talk about. BD Marcus is branded on Twitter. I am at Dan Baspers Again, a reminder, please drop a five-star review on the podcast. If you haven't done so already, stop what you're doing and do it now. We need those five-star reviews. We love them. And I love you guys. I am at Dan Vesperis. Again, hit me up if you want to be a part of the craziness here at HoopBall. Same way. Hit me on Twitter. Have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Toodles.